every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Blunderground Railroad, and we are doing our best to bring ourselves from ignorance to knowledge. Man, we got a great place to start, and that's Dostoevsky, Notes from Underground. We are in part two, and we are in chapter chapter number seven. Yep. Ooh, man. Moving along. Moving along, chapter seven. We're getting there. So we're getting down to the last parts of it here. I think there's 11 chapters in this. You were asking me about that the other day. Oh, right. Finally got a mystery revealed to me. I have an ending point to look forward to. You do. You have 11 chapters. I believe it's 11 chapters in part number two. You know, remember when I was telling you, I think I said it about 50 times the last podcast. I I think you might. About the ending. And it was like, but wait, there's more. And I was like, yes, there's going to be more. Yes. Oh, there was going to be more of the exact same conversation for the whole chapter. I was like, seriously? (laughs) What more could you have to say? Well, see, there's a very important question that comes up when reading this chapter, and it's one that I'm not sure has ever really had a particularly clear answer, and that is, does the underground man actually take a breath? You know, you know right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, if there's a... If, is there, I'm not sure if there's a spot in here for it. I mean, he's just... So, I don't know what this reminds you of, all right? But, okay, so you and I, we're both married men. Mm-hmm. And um, so... I think that, I mean, I, have you ever been having one of those arguments? No. No, never. No, never. <laughs> this is not a thing for you. No, this is pretty good. I mean, okay. right, hey, pretty good, you know? So there you go. So you get the email, you write in, you write Steve, he'll let you know what the secret is, you right? You a perfect marriage, yeah. Man, but perfect marriage, Don't man. look at me. <laughs> yeah, the perfect marriage, man. Wow. Yeah, it's a tough thing to do, and I'll tell you, what happens is, uh, I think if you've married long enough, you end up in this spot where, okay, you ever had this, you get into an argument. Say, mm-hmm. it is possible to know someone so well and uh, so deeply that, man, you can you can cut them, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and you get in these arguments. I don't know if you've ever been there, and maybe some of you out there listening, you've been there. You get into an argument where, man, it turns, and it's only going to happen like once or twice, right? Maybe I think for myself, maybe only once, perhaps. You got that perfect marriage, sounds like. Probably. You're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna throw that maybe out there. Maybe. You know, probably. Wow. Right? Yeah, wow. No, and I but I don't think that uh I don't think that uh yeah, I mean the perfect marriage listen, marriages work, and I don't think you're gonna have the perfect marriage. And I think that's a big myth that people oh, yeah. know, you know. That marriage is not about being perfect. And I don't even know what is. I mean, if you figure it out, go do it. But I, I, I don't Let us know. Let us know what that's all about. <laughs> but, you know, I think you can get to know someone, right? Like maybe it, like, it's usually a spouse. Because even my best friend, like I'm not sharing everything with, all right? But like your spouse knows you, okay? And there have been times, all right, you get into these arguments. It is knives out. Weaponry. Right? Oh, man. And it is 
batting down the hatches, right? Every, I mean, it's, everything they know about you. Oh man, you you, you get know, to, you know, know exactly what works. All this, oh man, yeah, and you <laughs> you cultivate that. Like every one of us has like that mad scientist that's like inside of us. Yeah. That's like even while we sleep, you know, constantly like tinkering with every little thing. Oh man, you know, yeah. and you get in these arguments. Isn't man is knives out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can really, uh, man, you can you can just you slice and dice, man. I mean, you can. It's really bad. And I tell you, I've been. I think I've been on the giving end, and I've also been on the receiving end. Um, uh, I've had, um, I've had things that I've deeply regretted, and things that I've said that I've never should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also um, have had uh, things said about myself that have been very disarming, you know, and, 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 and have, you know, made you feel like you had your pants pulled down in front of the classroom. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think a lot of us, you know, have experienced something like that. Uh, and, and it's interesting. I think in a marriage relationship that can be very helpful over time. And, and if you can work through these things, actually can make you really strong. It can make you stronger. Um, you work through those things. And, and, and because when I hear things that are said about my life, that come from that perspective, that come from that place of truth, I have to react to it. I have to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm a better person because of it. You got to deal with it. Exactly. You got to deal with it, man. Exactly. And you're a better person because of it. Rather than I, just bury it. Oh, man, absolutely. Right. And, and I feel that, you know, and even in, in, in my sense, hopefully I've done that for other people as well. Uh, but I would say that that ultimately is a healing process because it is authentic. You know, the things that were said about me were real, mm-hmm. and the things that I said were also real. Yeah. Um, now, in the case of the underground, man, I, I'm not sure that's exactly what we're looking at here. I don't think he was aiming for that. No, but I do think, I think he gets like, okay, so the knives out part, I yeah. think we are, we're there. Like, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> knives out. If you ever want, like, listen, if you want to tear somebody down and you want to just, I mean, like, not just tear them down, but, like, I mean, we're talking light them on fire. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just throw them on. We're talking Tulsi Gabbard, Kamala Harris type he stuff He apparently here. took some serious offense to the book comment. <laughs> In the last chapter. You know, and there's always the trigger. And I think that's right. It is. It's <laughs> Boy, the trigger. That set him off. Man. Didn't take much. Boy, it, it doesn't. It doesn't, man. It really doesn't. Yeah. Man, it doesn't. And that's the thing is, and I think that, um, you know, we have this uh, this ticking time bomb. We have this, you know, we don't, I'm not sure how this is expressed in the modern world. All right. Like, Listen, I would love to be able to say, oh, yeah, if you have a big marital fight and it's knives out and you're bringing out all the things, mm-hmm. that is comparable. And it's not because that's an authentic process that can bring healing. This is not authentic, and there's no healing here. No, this is just him being a jerk. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and I or, know. Or an inexperienced conversationalist. Not really sure. Yeah, I mean, if this is a conversation more than it is a berating. Ber- it's a berating. I mean, it's a whole chapter. I mean, it's a lengthy one too. He never takes a breath, and he does it while invoking God. I thought that was interesting. Like right off the bat, I I drew a uh, inference from Ecclesiastes. You did, yeah, yeah. When he said, "Can you seriously think that you will never grow old? That you will always be good looking, and that they will keep you here forever and ever?" I say nothing of the loath- loathsomeness of the life here. Mm. Um, and it brought me yeah. to, I, I don't know why I thought of Ecclesiastes, but I did. Right. Uh, 
was it? I think it's Ecclesiastes 12, um, 1 through 7. Mm. It says, Remember now thy book. creator, yeah, in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come, not nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves. That's just talking about getting weak, losing your sight, right? And the grinders yeah. cease because they are few. It's losing your teeth. Right. And those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. There's a losing hearing right there. Yep. And there he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and, the do- and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. There you go again. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and mm. the almond tree shall flourish, that's your hair turning gray, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Yes. And that's when you die. Mm-hmm. So it just talks about the the process of the body getting old, and the, the truth of that right there is, I mean... You would almost think the underground man wrote that. There's so many words. It could I know it's like, true, right? Get old, right? There you go. <laughs> we got seven verses of hey, you get old, you lose your hearing, you lose your sight, right? And you can't hold yourself up anymore, and you just want to go. You have no pleasure in the days here anymore on earth. Yeah, like thank you, underground man, for dragging that out. <laughs> right, no doubt, no doubt. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I draw that inference. Uh, I just read that; it just came to me. But God is invoked throughout this entire chapter while yeah. He's berating her. Yeah, while He's berating her. Yeah. <laughs> He claims because he he's claiming this he's claiming this 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 high ground here. It's it's so the first thing to understand yep. is that is that the uh, is that the underground man possesses. She when she says that he talks like a book, mm-hmm. for her this is an innocent observation. But for the underground man, like that is this is not the underground man possesses power okay and so it's like a power dynamic here so like this is why he is so emboldened um you know when the underground man when he's with zirkoff right when he's with the boys so previously at dinner when he's with zirkoff and his friends then he's not this way he doesn't have any power over zirkoff nope. so he, he's he, he doesn't say anything he shrinks he he becomes small he he doesn't respond to people he he uh he tends to walk back and forth in front of the fireplace yeah. he, he does these odd things like none of this is happening here you know like the the we always see this this we always see this uh in, in the story the underground man when he has no power when he has no connection to the real world, okay, then he must have connection to the real world. He always seeks out his betters, and then he, but then he has no power over them. So then he becomes incensed and bitter. Yep. So then he seeks out afterwards. He seeks out a situation where he does have power. You know, where 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 he'll have power over someone. Well, he's getting his nickels worth here. Yeah, and he has power over uh, Lisa because number one, he's paid for her. And then number two is he has uh, all this rhetorical knowledge that she doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, this information uh, because uh, – and, and he holds her over it. I mean, each one. In the chapter, he talks about the money, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's talking about uh, – he's talking about the uh, – he's talking about the money. Uh, and, he, you know, he says uh, – he's talking about love, you know, and he says, well, you know, you might dream about love, about yeah. maybe someone loving you. But even if someone were to love you, right, like, no, like, what do you think? Like – 
that, you know, as soon as someone else pays, you got to leave. And then he's always going to have that on his mind. So the whole possibility of love is just some stupid pipe dream because it's just impossible, you know. <laughs> and so he, he, I mean, he's vicious, right, with her. Yeah. And so uh, he's vicious with her. So he, he not only uses the money uh, to put himself so that she can't leave, but then he uses it as a bludgeon, you know. It's just like, it's like paying someone to make you a hammer and then just, whacking them with them until they die you know yeah Uh, and so uh and then rhetorically you know she this is a character that was sold into prostitution Mm -hmm. by her own parents Mm -hmm. so for her i mean this is a struggle that i mean she she is a she is the powerless looking to overcome an almost insurmountable situation she's thinking about survival yeah, that's about the most heartless thing you could do is what he's doing here. Yeah, man. No, and, and he, what he's doing is he's deconstructing the entire thing from the end of the line, right? I mean, it's just— What book did he read that this came from? And he directs his life from literature. Right, right. No, no, it's true. Well, no, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I'll see if I can find it. Uh, I'll have it here. Uh, and he says— I know at one point he talks about— uh, it's he says you're lucky if he doesn't beat you. <laughs> He's gonna laugh at you and rob you. <laughs> like that's a, that's what his love amounts to. Like man, that is harsh. It it, it is harsh. wow. It is harsh. Here it is. Here it is. He says. Um, he says. I'll read it right from the book because it's just it's so harsh here. Right. Yeah. At nine o'clock in the morning, she was already quite drunk, disheveled, half-naked, covered with bruises. Her face was powdered, that she had a black eye. Blood was trickling from her nose and her teeth. Some cabman had just given her a drubbing, and she was sitting on the stone steps. A salt fish of some sort was in her hand, and she was crying, wailing something about her luck and beating with the fish on the steps and the cabman and the drunken soldiers were crowding in the doorway taunting her it just gets worse and worse yeah you you don't believe that you will ever be like that i should be sorry to believe it too but how do you know maybe 10 years eight years ago that woman with the salt fish came here fresh as a cherub innocent pure knowing no evil blushing at every word and later on he says this okay check this out he asked her he says he says uh what if at that very minute oh you love this part here oh yeah what if at this very minute she recalled the pure early days in her father's house when she used to go to school and the neighbor's son watched for her on the way declaring that he would love her all as long as he lived that he would devote his life to her, and when they vowed to love one another forever and be married as soon as they were grown up, no, Lisa, it would not be happy for you if you were to die soon of consumption, right? Consumption. Yeah, let, let's hearken back to her childhood, yeah, her no, only happy days, and a- just cut that up too. Right, absolutely. And then, by the way, like, is there any like? So, if you're gonna wish death on someone, like probably I don't know consumption. I mean, that's just like the that that is like the word, right? Like, yeah. I hope you die of consumption. Yeah, I man, like, he said it'd be she'd be lucky if the hospital took her. Well, no, that's true. He does. Yeah, no, he's serious. He says, "No, Lisa, it would be happy for you if you were to die soon of consumption in some corner in some cellar, like that woman just now." 
right? So is the underground man, is he talking about a woman that he's that he knows, which is very unlikely, or yeah. he's probably talking about himself? Maybe. You think, you think he's getting it because he says the seller. You know, he says in some seller like that woman just now. I don't There was one point where I thought maybe he was like, Trying to warn her back into his arms, maybe, but then he just kept going, smashing her, and I'm like, well, if that, like, either you're just really bad at trying to woo a woman, right, or, or you're not trying at all. No, no, no. This is not about. This is uh. This is not about. It is not about wooing. And the underground man, like. He does say it at the beginning, right? He says, he says, hey, you know, if, if you weren't a prostitute, then... Because he makes it hurt. I yeah. Mean, it hurts. He says, if you weren't a prostitute and yep. I just were to see you, like, and, you know, picking daisies in a field, I mean, I could see myself falling in love with you and I could, you know, whisk you off and we could be so happy together. However... You know, but however, <laughs> unfortunately, I need to inform you that it's two in the morning and I just woke up and, you know, and, you know, I'm out $2 and I'm a little annoyed about this yeah. and, you know, you got to do whatever I say and nothing's ever going to change that you know so just in case you don't know right just in case you hadn't figured this part out yet you know that this whole thing is a pipe dream and it's a darn shame because it's never going to happen right this, i mean it's cold want, the, it's cold i think if she had to have considered her career choices after this i don't know man i, I you know <laughs> but i don't i don't really i mean it's just this is a thing like it is just survival, right? I mean, and, and the underground man has no concept of real life mm-hmm. because he he has no concept of real life because he's not even trying to help her in her current situation. I mean, he's basically saying, hey, you know, if I've read the story of a prostitute once, I've read the story, uh, you know, I think I've seen it a thousand times. You got it, man. And I th- I love, <laughs> what word does he use in the chapter? He calls him a, he calls him a hussy, doesn't he? Yeah, hussy. Yeah, you're a hussy. He's a, he's a man. He's a, if I've read the story of a, of a, of a low-down Russian hussy in St. Petersburg, I've read that story a hundred times. And let me tell you, sweetheart, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. The next day and every day until the end of your life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She, you know what, though? Good for her. Towards the end of the chapter, she right. does try to redeem some of her dignity. Right. Right? When when, when Dawn comes around the, the, and oh. passes him that note, oh. you know? Yeah, no, the note. Yeah. But that's the thing, so that, 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 that is a key part, though, in the chapter, okay? Because, again, because, again, uh, like we were talking about in the last chapter, right? How the underground man's talking and talking, and that you know Lisa has like five words in the whole chapter, yeah. right? Yep. And yet they're the most consequential, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Dostoevsky does this a lot. He does this all the time. You know, like there are these these characters that he have, and these characters are like, I don't think that Dostoevsky, I think that he has this kind of, kind of a sad, kind of a a a, 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 a sick, you know, it's almost like. You know, I think that there's a little bit of this in him, and he respects it, but he would never let it out, you know? Hmm. Like, maybe. Maybe. you might, Maybe not. Like, I, I just to say, because with the logic, right, the underground man, like, when the underground man circles around in circular logic constantly, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And he never comes to a solid conclusion. Right. Well, I think that Dostoevsky in his own mind can, you know, has struggled with some of that circular reasoning. That's why he can write about it. Well, you have, yeah, you have to wonder what type of person could write something like this. Right, right. And he has so many of these scenes where, like, one, basically, one character goes off, and it's hardcore. I mean, it is, it's, it's knives out. To even write this is pretty gnarly. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just and and every page is just it's 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 wow, he's throwing haymakers, and so I mean, he's throwing some serious haymakers here. Yeah, and so um, you know, uh, so, but again, in this chapter, he has this other character, right? Like this Lisa character, and she doesn't say much, but what she does is so. It just it, it, underground like he has no shot. The underground man is helpless against these things, and like the same thing with the letter, right? Because the letter is about it's about the dance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it's about the dance, and then there's this. Uh, it's like a love letter, right? Yeah, from somebody who has absolutely no idea who she is now, but right. has this idea of who she was, mm, you know. And right. she's like, yeah, well, look, you know, right. see, people did honor and respect me at one point in my life. Just so you know. Just so you know, right? Just That's so you know. That's who I really am. Yeah. So you sat here and berated me all night long. You have no idea who I really am. Right, right, right. And now that puts Dostoevsky's character, the underground man, right back on the defensive. Like, ah, I just lost my position of power that I worked all night for. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And then also, too, like, I, 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 that's so true uh, because, like, the Lisa character... The Lisa character, she proves to him that she can do something that he has never uh, yeah, been able to do. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I look at this this letter proves somebody really cared about me. It wasn't just from a book that you know, I came out and lied to a bunch of people and, and dreamed it up. Right. And then, uh you yeah. can see how offended uh the underground man is when he says, about this, he knew nothing. Because about this is in all caps. So he's like, ah, he knew nothing about this, right? Right. Yeah, no, no you're not right. Not even a suspicion. Absolutely. Right? No, you're totally right. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. Yeah, he knew nothing of it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's right. Um, like Lisa has this experience, right? And mm-hmm. and she she holds it in a box. You know, it's like a treasure box, yeah. right? You know, it's like how many of us have that that one experience, maybe that one thing that maybe only represented a short time in our lives, but, but we did it. We did it. But I achieved it. Yeah, we we hold so on. Don't to worry it. about me now. That's right. We hold on to it. Now right? that I'm in a beanbag eating Cheetos, you leave me alone. That's a, <laughs> that's right. That's right. But it's that one thing that no one can ever take away from us. I right? used to be something really cool. Okay. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yo, Adrian, I'm gonna be somebody. Eh? Yeah. 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 The uh, the um. Uh, so. Yeah, she proves to him that she has that, and she holds it in that box, and it's a, her prized possession, and something the underground man, the underground man can't claim anything like that. He's got no letter. There's no treasure box. Yeah, right, right. He, he unpacked his entire treasure box, all his bag of tricks overnight, and over the last chapter. Right. Y- yeah, right. He's got nothing else to dig through. Uh, right, that's right. So where's the, but wait, there's more on this one. <laughs> right, no, exactly. And the thing is, is too, is that the underground man gets so caught up in this narrative that he ends up like trying to make the narrative real and it's yeah. like the worst decisions that he can possibly make. Absolutely. And I'm talking about like the, the, the he gives the, he gives the prostitute his address. Yeah. Right? I mean, because he, he wants her to come visit He him. tries to call people's bluff, and it's like, what if they do? You got nothing, dude. That's it, that's it, right? That's it. It's like challenging the school bully to a fight, and he says, okay, you know, and, and all of a sudden you're in a fight. What are you going to do? This dude's going all in on like a three high. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> that's, right. that's right. He is. He pushing it all towards the center, right? You know? Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. He's pushing it all in. Yep. Right? Absolutely, man. Uh, what else can he do? Right. <laughs> 
What else? He can't do anything else. Right. No, and he is, but he, he gets so caught up in the narrative. Like, he's waxing philosophicals for so yeah. long and doing it so powerfully that all of a sudden he, like, becomes the character in the book. Like, he, you can almost see him. At least I can. I mean, you, you can almost see him where he's like, oh, what would the character in the book do? Like, oh, the character in the book would clearly give out the address at this point, right? Like, you know, come to my house, you know? I I think he finally, like, kind of awoke to the realization that he didn't have to be cautious because he was just writing. Like, I don't know, like, maybe he was drinking a bunch and then, like, it wore off. He's like, wait a minute, actually... I can go all in on a three high because you know what? It's not me. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wonder if he just made this up as he went along. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Well, no, probably. I mean, I don't think any of this is really thought out here. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's an awful lot of words. If it was, I mean, man, it is a lot. Smart that, guy. It is, but that's the thing about the underground man, right? In part one, you're at that inner dialogue, and yeah. you almost get that point. You get that point of respect. You know, you look at him, you say, "Wow, man, this guy is a thinker." You know, and and then you. Start start to kind of envision you know like you start you kind of start to envision like the man of action like you know as the brute you know or as a, a person who's not worthy and yet in real life is not like that at all i mean you know the underground man can't get anything done no I mean, he can't he can't make a decision no i mean right i mean you no know, he just he can't i mean you know like even with uh in this chapter when he's berating uh lisa there's at no point can he stop okay like he can't leave dinner Right? Mm-hmm. No, he can't. He, he can't. He can't leave the apartment when he, he goes to visit, and then they're talking about Zerkov. He, yep. he he can get up and leave. He can't do it. He's not capable. And then when it comes down to dinner, he can leave the dinner. He's not capable of leaving dinner. He can leave after you know when they all go off to 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 the 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 the, the um the house of burlesque. He can just go home. They they left him there. You know, right. he he can't do it. And then when he goes there, he can choose not to sleep with a prostitute. He can't do that either. And then after it all happens, he is going to berate this poor girl until she breaks. Until, you know, there has to be this physical manifestation of his power. Yeah. You know, my money, my position, my intelligence, my consciousness he has to have a physical representation of it in the real world, and he will keep going until she breaks down. Yeah, and he had her face down in the pillow, crying, biting the pillow, biting her hand. I had to read that scene twice, by the way. Did you be biting her hand? Remember he, her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her hand. Yeah. Her hand. And he talks about the blood on her hand because he's biting. Yeah, her and he hand. said he didn't see that till afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I I had to read that twice because I'm like, well, face down on the pillow. Did something just? Did I miss something? Did I miss? Oh nope. She's just sad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's just there's like this physical manifestation of yeah. brokenness that he and he can't. And it's only, it's only when the underground man reaches this point of catastrophe, you know, where he's he he is now he's broken, and now there is there is this there's this little death or like a fundamental brokenness in the world. Mm-hmm. And once that's there, then he can snap out of it, right? Yeah. And then he's oh, and he kind of snaps out of it, and that's always the point where he doesn't stay there that's you know back underground right right you know? right so he gets that point where it all snaps um you know it was supposed to be the slap with zerkov yeah i wish that would have happened yeah, right yeah i know it ended the whole thing right you know it would have it would have and <laughs> it would have brought the whole stories full circle do you see how that works yeah because at the beginning right the first incident that we see of the underground man in terms of his 
getting out of the underground right. is the guy being thrown out of the window at the billiards, uh, the billiards yeah. table. So he gets thrown out. So he's thinking, I'm going to whack Zerkoff. And Zerkoff, he might not like it, but, you know, if he doesn't like it, he'll throw me out the window. And then there's, like, this kind of fetish thing where, like, the, the yeah. underground man sees this guy get thrown out the window and thinks he's jealous. You know, yeah, he is. He's jealous of him. He looks at him and he's like, he's like, what I wouldn't give to be so decisive in my life that I would have somebody, you know, have to throw me through a plain glass window. About halfway through this chapter, I'd have thrown him through a window. <laughs> <laughs> right there, it is. I man. can reach right. into the pages of this book. There you go. <laughs> it wouldn't have taken you the whole chapter either. Huh? No, no, right. And so that's kind of what he's looking for, like in Zerkov, right? He wants the whole thing to come full circle, and then you know he would be in the snow, and then he probably would ruminate over all. He's the lucky people. she has a madam and not a pimp. He would have been thrown through the window. Would have been the nicest thing to happen to him. Oh, that's true. That's true. I'm just saying. Yeah, good call. I know a little bit about that, that world bit. from. Previous days, that's it, right, right. That's it. For Trips to Montreal days. when I was young. Don't judge me. <laughs> oh man, that's it's, it. it's rough. <laughs> it's right, man. Not on St. Catherine Street. Woo. <laughs> you what? <laughs> oh Ain't man, nothing saintly about that street. Oh, no. I promise. They don't make too many saints over there. Do they? <laughs> no. Yeah, man. No. So he, but like, and even if he were to get thrown out the window, I mean, I can just imagine the underground looking up at people and saying, "Oh, look, that man of consciousness must be looking at me now. He's so jealous, you know." <laughs> oh, he needs to go back down there for he makes his life worse. Well, or yeah. end, I don't know, or end or one of those things, right? <laughs> this is getting crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he's kind of getting there, and so he's he's like. He, anyways, he, he wants to reach that point of brokenness and like that little death. And then, of course, you know, he regrets it, you know, and then once she's crying and then he like immediately once he snaps out of it, it's kind of like that. It's like that sharp feeling of regret, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that, too. And uh, if you, uh, you know, keep going and, and, and crime and punishment, you'll see that he develops that theme. And that's really great in that book, too. But um, he. um. You know, he has this like snap of regret there, you know, like after he she's she's talking. He doesn't know what to do. You know, he knows how to press, but he doesn't know it. Like there's nothing beyond that. No, he's always just pictured it and then didn't really have anybody say anything back to him because he was talking to himself. So how could he act that out? Well, there's also totally no, unrehearsed. There's no end to it either. You know, like the underground man, like the underground man is the man of consciousness, not not because he's conscious, but he because he's conscious of every decision. So if you have a life and every decision that you make is going to be a negative one, which, you know, prostitution, he's kind of he, he's exploring that out. It's a poor one. Yeah. He's he's thinking of every single bad negative thing that could come about. So he's thinking, "Okay, well you got three options here a b c well there's bad worse and there there there's good there's there's bad there's worse and then there's worst if he missed any i don't have it on my list because <laughs> 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 wow yeah right wow so i mean he's just he's conscious of every decision uh-huh uh, and he's going to lay it out for her. You know, most people don't do that. So a lot of people don't sit there and think about every consequence of every action that they do. I don't think they'd get a whole lot done. Well, the underground man doesn't get a whole lot. We'd need AI technology to be a lot further if everybody was like him. Nothing nothing would get done. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing <laughs> is we do have a lot of technology. And, you know, one of the things that this chapter made me kind of think about um, and, and just thinking about how we see some of these behaviors in our own world today we have the underground man because of the the area the time that he lived 
it's literature, the literature of Western Europe, and he is steeped in this literature. Yeah. And so that for him is becomes his it becomes his weapon. It becomes his means to push, you know, to push people because he knows more about this narrative than other people do. Right. And so I just think like in our modern age, I have to you know, you wonder you know, everybody, and I, it's just hard to say. I've I've been dancing around this for the last couple minutes here. It's difficult for people to say. You know, why do we have school shooters? You know, oh, no, and, I I thought the same thing as I'm reading through this. Yeah, have you? Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's uh, inappropriate to compare um, how we get to the point of school shooters when you see the hate spitefulness, the assumption of motives ascribed to other people, mm. all these things that go through the underground man's head, um, these are natural human emotions. This isn't something that just developed because it happens to be, you know, after the year 2000 or yeah. whatever. Sure. Um, clearly, this is in the 1800s, um, and even though it's a fictional story, mm. this was written back then. This is just natural human emotion that's always existed. And we have exacerbated um, the, uh, the the reactions to certain things because we're not reacting to literature anymore. Now we're reacting to things we can see. Yes. We can see video games. Well, that's we so true. We can see movies. This stuff looks very, very real now. Yeah. And who are the school shooters? 40-year-olds? No. No. We have very impressionable kids who have, you know, hey, here's a Call of Duty game. Here's Grand Theft Auto V from the age of six years old. Yep. You know, and what are they doing? Exactly what we've talked about before in previous podcasts. They're looking for an identity. If they don't belong, how many broken homes do we have? This is very, very easy to see the psychology of why we're at where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, I don't think it's inappropriate or inaccurate whatsoever to call out the... Uh, psychology behind um, where the underground underground man is at, why he's there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know assimilate that to the school shooters that we see today or any other act. You know, it's not um, these. This psychology is not uh, restricted to just people you know twenty five and under. Um, we do have thirty, forty year olds that snap. Yeah, you know, and and do crazy things. Right, and. You know, where does that come from? It all comes from the same place. Mm-hmm. We all have a human need to belong. We saw early on that the underground man's wanting to re- have interaction with people. Right. Like I almost said it like multiple times. We're just, we're, we're humans. Yeah. We're social beings. We are meant to be with other people. That's why God created Eve. We are not meant to be by ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, that even solitary confinement for prisons mm-hmm. has started to, uh, I don't want to say started, I think it's been quite a while, at least a decade now, um, psychologists have been saying that that is cruel and unusual punishment. Okay, to, be, fall, to yeah, be alone. To, yeah, to, yeah, because it's so bad for the human psyche to mm-hmm. do that. So they've actually started to um, try to make that non not constitutional, try to fit within the bounds of... Uh, cruel and unusual punishment, oh, wow. which is something we don't allow in this country. Interesting. Yeah, they they started to do that. I mean, even you know, and that's for 
people who are these are people who are the worst of the worst of the worst criminals that we consider to be yeah. in our society today. Right. We say, you know, even even that person, we're not. It's not humane to do that to. Um, so when you see somebody that's subjected to being alone, um, who already has uh, negative thoughts and assumptions yeah. about the world, um, what are they going to do? They're going to bounce their own ideas off themselves, and they're going to reaffirm those truths or whatever that, that right. they think are truths to themselves Yeah, over and over and over. And this is what it looks like when it's acted out. Frankly, I'm surprised this is as far as it's come in the book. Well, you know, we have a lot of, there's, back in that time, you have issues of social status mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and also too, um, you know, educational backgrounds and demographics. The, the underground man, I mean, he's very, he puts himself in a position of power dynamics. And I don't see where it's really dissimilar from what people do uh, with school shootings and with, uh, with mass shootings. No. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a, if I'm someone and I have a gun and I'm in a school and there are no guns there, well then obviously I have a pretty big power dynamic and I can, I can bring people to the point of tragedy. Yeah. Now the underground man, I mean, how is it different? I mean, the underground man, he doesn't have a gun, but he does have all this intricate literary knowledge of the life of prostitution and he is aware of what life in St. Petersburg is like. Sure. She doesn't, you know. And so he he can leave whenever he wants, you know. She can't. So you know, he he even talks about it, right? When she asks him to stay when she's getting the box. And uh, she says, don't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah wait a minute. Mm -hmm. And the underground man, he can barely stand it. You know, I mean, he can mm. barely, he says, I, he's just all disgruntled because he has to wait. The moment that she has even a modicum of power, mm -hmm. right? He, he just, he was losing it. He, he doesn't, he, he, he can't stand it. Yeah. So, you know, he has this power over her. And then I don't see where it's this different. If you're a young person and you are, you have, you've ruminated yourself to this point or and you talked about it before, then you are going to get power. And, and unfortunately it's not going to be through the literature of Western Europe. You're not going to go, to, you know, <laughs> you're not going to go to the library and you're going to say, all right, mom and dad, I'm going to the library and I'm going to lock myself in there and I'm and not going to come out until I'm ready to, to, to go and, 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 and push my power upon all of my classmates. There was a school reading today. That's right. Right. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. There were 24 <laughs> right. made intelligent. There were of there the were, knowledge of Dostoevsky. There, right, right there it is. That's right. Yeah, there you go. Right. Exactly. I said there was a, a, a group. The twenty-four students removed the tears today. He threw the book at him. Oh, um, all right. I'm sorry. No, I, that's no. that's bad. All right. All right. Yeah. That's right. We're, <laughs> it was a dad joke. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave that in. I like it. I'm going with it. He's Whatever. A, he is. I'm he's, own he's all man. in. He's all in. He's all in. His dad yep. joke. His dark yeah. dad jokes. That would be the, that podcast. Will be will be beginning next week. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be a week from next Friday. We'll look out for Tom and Steve. We'll be the, uh, debuting Dark Dad Jokes 101. <laughs> right? Look on all your favorite podcasting <laughs> outlets for that one. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's going viral. Oh man! And since I'm since I'm a dad, I'll, being all in is only like fifteen bucks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There you go. But I, you know, so it, these people, these kids aren't going to the library, right? Yeah. They, what they're doing is they, they get a gun and then they say, okay, right. well, you know what? They don't have any power. And then they get a gun. Oh, now they go, now they have all the power. Right. So although I think the means of destruction and the power are obviously very different. Yep. 
man, you see a lot of this in this chapter in yep. this year because these these kids, these people, they something happens in there, and when they they get to that point, mm-hmm. they, 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 they you know they're trying to prove themselves. They want to know that they're good enough, and they want to know that, that 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 they can they can hack it, they can do it, you know. Um, and then when they they don't they reach that point. Where they're not able to, where where they get they get called out or something happens, and then just like the underground man, they're gonna want to lash out, you know, yep. and they're gonna want to go and then not stop, and um and just like at the end of the chapter when the underground man realizes he kind of exasperates himself, then he, he can see it, you know, he can see that he can see that this 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 hussy is 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 worthy of love, and she not only that but she has the proof, yeah. and she has. She has the pride within her to know that no one can take it away from her. Yeah, and you know, and then and, and that presence, right? That presence, mm-hmm. and that's probably the mass acceptance. I mean, with these mass shootings, you know, that these you know, we have, there's such an outpouring of national empathy and tragedy, and 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 just universal understanding of grief, you know, towards these situations. Mm-hmm. That that's where these 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 shooters, you know, sometimes they they kill themselves, and sometimes that that they they maybe that they regret, you know, that they. Um, well, remember there was a time when they wanted. It- them to be there was there was a movement to stop publicizing this stuff there was yes yeah right because they were thinking that that was you know helping the the motive um yeah they're like oh well they can get some fame off of this right right but no but i I think that now people no one really talks about that anymore i don't think i mean i think it's more of a a deep societal problem yeah you know that we do have and i i think i think that and i think that works like this help us to kind of work it out a little bit i mean you know notes from blunderground that's where you know we're tapping the signal man we as a as a culture we are tapping the signal and we better learn to to hear it and to see it and react to it yeah i mean and that's you know part of what they're trying to do with with red flag laws i don't i don't agree with them because everything's such a slippery slope you can't you cannot legislate evil out of society what you can do is yeah. you can treat people right you know yeah you can teach others how to treat people how to treat people yeah you know yeah because it's really that's hard what this, that's what this comes from is lack of lack of parenting mm-hmm. lack lack of uh teaching your kids any sort of morals or values whatsoever right right you know like my kids are homeschooled obviously you know that but yeah like if my kids went to public school, if they were ever bullying somebody, yeah, oh, whew, they're not going to hear the end of it from me. Right? Yeah, sure. You, oh, yeah. you now you're going to go be best friends with that person. Right. Right. And and you better like them. Right. You might have a sleepover or something. I mean, this is yeah. You're not doing that to somebody, but that's yeah. you know, th- that's my my guess. This is just an assumption. I don't know. Is that kid is probably the child of somebody who was bullied and right. is looking for the other side of that power dynamic yeah, through their right. child now. That's right. No, that's exactly right. Well, I got bullied, so I'm not gonna let my kid get bullied. Right. They teach their kid to be the bully. Right. No, what that's what are you right. doing? Is it perpetuating the cycle here? Yep. Nope. It's true. So many of those things can only be broken by one generation. You got to be able to learn to see it and then fall on the sword. You know, somebody, yeah, cycle. Someone's got to do it. You know, right. And then if you're the one that sees it first, then you're up, and it's kind of your job to kind of fall on the sword and take all the bad, and so that your kids don't have to don't have to carry it on. Yeah. To your your future generations. Yeah, not not a trait that's 
common amongst people today is being willing to fall on any sort of sword. Yeah, right. No, no, and that's that's true. I mean, in a lot of ways we do, and it's it is hard. We we perpetuate the problem uh, a lot of times because you know these public schools become educational sources of last resort, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know we don't demographically. I mean, now if you are you're at the point now, uh, even with marriage, if you if you're walking along in the street. Right, mm-hmm. and you see uh, people who are between the ages of, uh, say, nine, eighteen and thirty, mm-hmm. and each one of, and they're married, mm-hmm. and they have the child, and they're white, and they're at least middle class. Then there's like a ninety-five percent correlation between that and like being an evangelical Christian. Like you can just come up to them and just start quoting Bible verses, and you're probably going to be right. They're going to know what you're talking about. Mm. Now that doesn't mean that it's bad to be a Christian. It's not, uh, but it does mean that things like marriage and things like uh, stable family, mm-hmm. things like, um, uh, um, uh, for example, um, things like uh, guidelines, right, yeah. and and bo- and boundaries. These things are becoming demographically associated with Christians and with with upper class uh, upper class stratospheres of, of, of the economy. So, yeah. if you are in a public school and you're a mess and your family's a mess and you look around and everyone around you is a mess, I mean, your teacher might be a mess. Everything's a mess, right? Probably. And so you look around you and all you see is a mess. And the more that we do this, what we do is we perpetuate this cycle where this public schooling is the schooling of last resort. Yeah. So eventually, these kids are going to end up feeling like they're just being sent to like you know the like remedial. It's, camp. it's the babysitters. Yeah, most gonna, people. You know, they're being sent to like the babysitters and the remedial camp, yeah. and then they're going to get there, and it's actually going to make the problem worse. I mean, yep. it's going to make the problem much worse oh, because yeah. people are going to be able to. They're going to start resenting, and they already do. They resent what they see as a structural. You know, so they say, okay, well, you know. They see, okay, well, what you're doing is you're erecting a structure of of inequity around me. And yeah. so people respond to that. If people see a negative structure that's being built up around them, they respond to that by tearing down a positive structure that they see around them, right? So if I'm poor and you're going to erect me this negative structure by sending me to public school, well, then I'm going to tear down your structure, which uh, you know, which might be, for example, uh, maybe it's a pregnancy care center, mm-hmm. right? And they'll say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to spray paint some, some naughty words on the side of your building, right? Because they're tearing down the institutional structure that they see, which is building a negative structure for them that they can't escape. Yeah, yeah, and so you know you see this, uh, and so you see this here, you know, and then you know you have these these school shootings, and it, and where is it? It becomes this, where it becomes this paradox because the school shootings forces us to talk about it, and the more we talk about it, the more we see the reality, which means that you know, which means that we have to we kind of have to do something to address it, which means that we need to be able to you know work on it. It becomes very uncomfortable. And the same thing is true in the book as well, uh, where uh, in the book we also have a paradox because the one character is a, is a hussy. She's a prostitute. And the other one is saying a lot of things which are pretty true, right? Yeah. I mean, underground man's not, you not know. Not pulling any punches. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not He's pulling. not making stuff up. Yeah, but, you know, just like when if you're fighting with your spouse, you say something, you say something true and it hurts. It's not a lie. It's still true. It's still true. And the, um, and the underground man is saying a lot of true things. Uh, and so, uh, 
you you look at it, you say, okay, so you can say to your, you can say to someone, well, I want you to read this chapter. It's about a, a smart guy who's going to say a lot of true things in a really hurtful way, and about a prostitute who's on a bad course in life, and she cries. You know, so people go, oh, that sounds like a fairly reasonable chapter, and yet it is so much bigger. Yeah, and the people that you think are on, they're on one area. They're not. You know, the underground man is, the underground man is just is just being a hateful, spiteful, you know, it's the only thing he knows. Right. Right. I mean, it's the only real emotion he can even he can even express. I mean, right. So he's trying to say, well, if I would have seen you in a field, I could have, you know, fallen in love with you. It, it, it's, it's a book. That's as far as he can get with that. Yeah, because he's read a book about, because back in that time, the whole concept of the, the, the story of the redeemed prostitute mm-hmm. was a trope back then. And so a lot of people wrote about it and it was very popular in books and there was a lot of stories about it. Gotcha. And so um, it was a very popular trope. So the underground man would have seen this in many different books. I mean, he would have read about this from many different authors. So for him to say, well, I could have fallen in love with you, you know, a hussy, and I would have, I would have loved you forever. Well, yeah, this is something that was written about. I mean, he's read this a bunch. Um, but, uh, you know, he's read this a bunch. Um, but uh, he doesn't He doesn't feel that. That's not something that's authentic for him. No. No. I mean, the on, like you said, the only authentic thing for him is, is spite and that, that kind of hateful feeling for the world and, and fellow mankind because he hasn't been able to belong. And that's a real feeling he has. And like you said, the rest of it's literature. And those aren't real feelings. So he's not going to go much further than just saying what it's about. Because he can't. He can't express them because he doesn't know how. He's never put it into practice. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Never never made a decision. Never had to be that part where. And it's interesting where how we say. I've mentioned this before in the podcast where it's urban versus rural and we have this urban community which is kind of very Russian kind of orthodox community yep. where compared to Petersburg which is this large urban very European type community right. when the traditional structures break down this is and you follow you follow the logic all the way through to its logical conclusion this is what you end up with I think that's a real theme in this book you know, and I think that it's true in our own age as well. I mean, when the traditional structures break down, when the when the family breaks down, and you don't have a dad and a mom, and you uh, and or or when the family breaks down, or when you are in a situation where um, the church you have widespread disbelief, and uh, in, in terms of atheism, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of atheism, and you have that. Uh, and you have that, then you also, um, I would have mentioned too, being in war, in a time of war, where you would have uh, people who uh, would be, um, uh, people who are, you know, trained to kill. I don't think that's a, a normal human thing to want to do, you know. And people who have all these uh, different uh, uh, situation atrocities. Uh, these situations, when the norms break down, then that is where you're going to have dysfunction. And so we see that in this urban environment, we have total dysfunction. And then in our environment today, we have total dysfunction. When you have no mores and you have no anchor, then you will have dysfunction of this type. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will be the end of our chapter today. We will be back, and we will be uh, see what happens to the underground man. And uh, yeah, so it's a lot to chew on today. So um, we're gonna we're gonna chew on this and bring it back. Yeah, all right. Looking forward to chapter number eight next. Very time. good, chapter number eight. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time.